Chapter Twenty One of The Wanderer or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer or Female Difficulties by Fanny Burney. Chapter Twenty One. Painfully revolving a scene which had deeply affected her, Ellis, for some time, had remained uninterrupted, when, opening her door to a gentle tap, she was startled by the sight of Harley. The letter of Elinor was in his hand, which he immediately presented to her, and bowing without speaking, without looking at her, instantly disappeared. Ellis was so confounded, first by his unexpected sight, and next by his so speedily vanishing, that she lost the opportunity of returning the bank-notes. For some minutes she gazed pensively down the staircase. Slowly, then, she shut her door, internally uttering, "'All is over. He is gone, and will pursue me no more.' Then, casting up her eyes, which filled with tears, "'May he,' she added, "'be happy.' From this sadness she was roused by feeling, from the thickness of the packet, that it must contain some additional paper. Eagerly opening it, she found the following letter. I have acquainted Mrs. Maple that Miss Jodrell has determined upon living, for a while, alone, and that her manner of announcing that determination, in her letter to you, is so peremptory as to make you deem it improper to be produced. This, as a mark of personal respect, appeases her, and upon this subject I believe you will be tormented no more. With regard to the unfortunate secret of Elinor, I can but wish it as safe in her own discretion as it will remain in your honour. For myself, I must now practice that hardest lesson to the stubborn mind of man, submission to undefined, and what appears to be unnecessary evil. I must fly from this spot, and wait, where, and as I can, the restoration of Elinor to prudence and to common life. I must trust that the less she is opposed, the less tenaciously she will cling to the impracticable project of ruling the mind and will of another, by letting loose her own. When she hears that I deny myself inhabiting the mansion which you inhabit, perhaps, relieved from the apprehension of being deceived by others, she may cease to deceive herself. She may then return to her friends, contented to exist by the general laws of established society, which, though they may be ameliorated, changed, or reformed, by experience, wisely reflecting upon the past, by observation keenly marking the present, or by genius, creatively anticipating the future, can never be wholly reversed, without risking a rebound that simply restores them to their original condition. I depart, therefore, without one more effort to see you. I yield to the strange destiny that makes me adore in the dark, yet that blazons to my view and knowledge the rarest excellencies, the most resistless attractions, but to remain in the same house, yet scarcely ever to behold you, or, in seeing you but for a moment, to awaken a sensibility that electrifies every hope, only to inflict, with the greater severity, the shock that strikes me back to mystery and despondence. 
No, I will be gone. Her whom I cannot soften, I will at least forbear to persecute. In this retreat, my only consolation for your happiness is in the friendship, so honourable for both, that you have formed with Lady Aurora Granville. My only reliance for your safety is in the interest of Mrs. Maple to detain you under her roof for the improvement of Selina. And my only hope for myself is that when Eleanor becomes reasonable, you will no longer let her exclusively occupy your humanity or your feeling. Albert Harley The tone of remonstrance, if not of reproach, which was blended with the serious attachment marked by Harley in this letter, deeply touched Ellis, who was anxiously re-perusing it, when she received information, through Selina, that Mr. Harley had set out for London, whence he meant to proceed to Bath, or perhaps to make the western tour. The earnestness of Ireton that Selina should take some lessons upon the harp, joined to the equal earnestness of Mrs. Maple, to elude the expensive professor at Brighthelmstone, confirmed the new orders that Selina should begin a course of instruction with Ellis. The mistress and the scholar were mutually well disposed, and Ellis was endeavouring to give her pupil some idea of a beautiful sonata, when Miss Arb, entering the house upon a morning visit, and catching the sound of a harp from the dressing-room of Selina, so touched as Selina, she knew, could not touch it, nimbly ran upstairs. Happy, then, to have surprised Miss Ellis at the instrument, she would take no denial to hear her play. The elegance and feeling of her performance engaged alike the ready envy and the unwilling admiration of Miss Arb, who, a self-conceived paragon in all the fine arts, thought superior merit in a dilettante, a species of personal affront. She had already felt as an injury to her own theatrical fame the praise which had reached her ears of Ellis as Lady Townley, and a new rivalry seemed now to menace her supremacy as chief of lady performers. But when she gathered through Selina, who knew not even of the existence of such an art as that of holding the tongue, that they were now practising together, her supercilious air was changed into one of rapture, and she was seized with a strong desire to profit, also, from such striking talents. A profusion of compliments and civilities ended, therefore, in an earnest invitation to cultivate so charming an acquaintance. Mrs. Maple, while this was passing, came uneasily into the room, meaning to make a sign to Ellis to glide away unnoticed. But when she found that Ellis was become the principal object with the fastidious Miss Arb, and heard this wish of intimacy, she was utterly confounded that another person of consequence should countenance, and through her means, this itinerant incognita. Yet to obviate the mischief by an avowal similar to that which she had been forced to make to Mrs. Howell, she thought an insupportable degradation. And Miss Arb, with the politest declarations that she should call again the next day, purposely to entitle herself to a visit in return from Miss Ellis, was already gone, before Mrs. Maple had sufficiently recovered from her confusion to devise any impediment to the proposal. All that then occurred to her was her usually violent but short measure of sending Ellis suddenly from the house, 
and excusing her disappearance, by asserting that her own friends had summoned her away. For Mrs. Maple, like at least half the world, though delicate with respect to her character for truth in public, had palliations always ready for any breach of it, in favour of convenience, in private. Ellis attempted not any opposition. The sufferings annexed to an asylum thus perpetually embittered by reproach and suspicion, had long made her languish to change it for almost any other, and her whole thoughts turned once more upon a journey to London, and an interview with Lady Aurora Granville. Selina warmly protested that this separation should only augment her attachment to her favourite, by whose side she stayed, prattling, weeping, or practising the harp, till she was called away to Mrs. Maple, from whom, however, she soon returned, relating, with uplifted hands, that all below was again in the utmost confusion, through a letter, just arrived, from Mrs. Howell, stating the following particulars that upon her communicating to Lord Denmeath the strange transaction, in which she must forever blush to have been, however innocently, involved, his lordship, very properly, had forbidden Lady Aurora to keep any sort of correspondence with so palpable an adventurer. But the excess of grief produced by this prohibition had astonished and concerned both his lordship and herself, and their joint alarm had been cruelly augmented by a letter from mrs greaves the housekeeper with intelligence that lord melbury had been shut up nearly two hours with this suspicious young woman on the day that mrs howell had quitted brighthelmstone during which time his lordship had suffered no one to come into the room though she greaves in accidentally passing by one of the windows saw his lordship demean himself so far as to be speaking to her upon his knees Lord Dunmeath, treating this account as an impertinent piece of scandal, requested to have it shown to his nephew. But how unspeakable was their consternation, when Lord Melbury undauntedly avowed that the charge was true, and added that he was glad of the opportunity thus afforded him, to declare that Miss Ellis was the most virtuous and dignified, as well as the most beautiful and amiable of her sex. She had rejected, he said, a suit which he should always take shame to himself for having made, and rejected it in a manner so impressive of real purity, that he should for ever hold it his duty to do her honour by every means in his power. The wrath expressed by Lord Denmeath, and the tears shed by Lady Aurora, during the scene, were dreadful. Lord Denmeath saw that there was no time to be lost in guarding against the most eminent danger. He desired, therefore, that the young woman might be induced, if possible, to quit the country without delay, and his lordship was willing not only to pay for her voyage back, but to give security that she should receive a very considerable sum of money, the instant that he should be assured of her safe landing upon the continent. Mrs. Howell begged that Mrs. Maple would endeavour to bring this plan to bear, and, at all events, not lose sight of the young person, till she should be, somehow or other, secured from Lord Melbury. The rest of the letter contained injunctions, that Mrs. Maple would not let this disgraceful affair transpire in the neighbourhood, with sundry scornful admonitions that she would herself be more guarded in future whom she recommended to her friends. Mrs. Maple now peremptorily sent word to Ellis that she must immediately make up her mind to leave the kingdom. 
but ellis without hesitation answered that she had no such design commands and menaces though amply employed were fruitless to obtain any change in her resolution she was therefore positively ordered to seek for charity in some other house ellis no longer wishing to stay occupied her mind almost exclusively with the thoughts of her young friend the tender attachment shown to her by lady aurora and the honourable testimony borne her by lord melbury cheered her spirits and warmed her heart with a trust in their regard that defying the inflexibility of mrs howell the authority of lord dunmeath and the violence of mrs maple filled her with soft consolatory ideas that sweetened her night's rest even in her uncertainty where she should find or where seek repose on the night that would follow but this brighter side of her prospects which soothed her on its first view lost its gay colouring upon farther examination that lady aurora should be forbidden to see forbidden to write to her was shocking to her feelings and blighting to her happiness and even though the tender nature and strong partiality of that youthful friend might privately yield to the pleadings of an oppressed and chosen favourite ellis while glowing with the hope that the interest which she had excited would be lastingly cherished revolted from every plan that was clandestine mrs maple who in common with all those whose tempers are violent in the same proportion that their judgment is feeble had issued forth her mandates without examining whether they could be obeyed and had uttered her threats without considering whether she could put them into execution no sooner learnt from selina that ellis was tranquilly preparing to depart than she repented the step which she had taken and passed the night in suggesting how it might be retrieved to spare herself the discredit in the neighbourhood of a breach with mrs howell the next morning therefore the willing selina was instructed to hasten to ellis with a message from mrs maple graciously permitting one more lesson upon the harp destitute as ellis felt she would have resisted such a mockery of benevolence but from gratitude at the pleasure which it procured to selina again according to her promise arrived miss arbe and again hearing the sound of the harp tripped lightly upstairs to the dressing-room of selina where she paid her compliments immediately to ellis whom she courteously solicited to take an airing with her to brighthelmstone and thus to accompany her home for the day anxious to strengthen her weak resources by forming some new connection ellis was listening to this proposal when a footman brought her a letter concluding that it came from abroad she received it with strong emotion and evident alarm but no sooner had she looked at the direction than the brightest bloom glowed upon her cheeks her eyes were suffused with tears of pleasure and she pressed involuntarily to her heart the writing of lady aurora granville the little coronet seal with the cipher a g had been observed not alone by miss arbe but by mrs maple who curiously had followed the footman into the room miss arbe now renewed her invitation with doubled earnestness and mrs maple felt almost insane from excess of wrath and embarrassment when suddenly and most unexpectedly ellis accepted the offer gratefully embracing selina and taking of herself a grave but respectful leave 
From the window Mrs Maple then saw this unknown wanderer enter the carriage first. For some time she remained almost stupefied by so unlooked for an event, and she could only quiet her conscience for having been accessory, though so unintentionally, to procuring this favour and popularity for such an adventurer, by devoutly resolving that no entreaties and no representation should ever in future dupe her out of her own good sense into other people's fantastical conceits of charity. End of chapter 21 Recording by Roxana Nazari